You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's Wednesday, August 17th, 2022. It's Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. What's going on? Matt Miguez here. James Mesh. Producer, co-host, man of many talents, James. I, I got I got a gripe today, man. Oh, you do? I do. What you got? Why? In, in, and this is a this is a weather conversation because okay. I don't know if you know this. It's hot outside. Really? It's also hot in here. But that's I not, could I would have never guessed that. Why is a heat advisory a thing? I don't need an advisory. I don't need you to tell me that it's hot outside. I am aware. I stand outside for 0.8 seconds, and I feel like I've been in a swimming pool. I don't all, all need... You have to, well, all you have to really do is just open the door. Well, or... You, or, don't, even, you don't even have to step outside. Right. Just, just open the door. Or you put can, a little crack in the window. I was going to say, you could stick your finger out there and be like, Yup. Yup. And then here's the other thing, and and I know this isn't sports related, but I just feel like we got to get to it. The temperature is 90, but it feels like 102. So would it not be 102? Like these are the things that I sit here and think about in my free time, because you know, it doesn't make sense to me. And do you know what? Do you know what brings that up for me? Is you worked for a TV station for a little minute. Correct. About a year and a half. Why didn't you ask? I I could have I could have asked Rob Perillo this. Yeah. You should you should have asked the Prince of Acadiana. Yeah, I could have asked Rob Perillo this. Maybe maybe I will. Maybe I will because because me, me you got him on speed dial. Me and Rob still tight. I was so. gonna say you got him on speed dial. But I just I've never understood that. Like if it's ninety, but there's like a heat index, wouldn't it just be easier to say, hey guys, it's one hundred and two degrees outside today? I wish I could answer that question for you. Like, I just it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Anyways, now that I've now that I've gotten that off of my chest, do you game, feel better? I, I actually I do. I do feel a little bit better. James, how's your day going, bud? It's been fine. How about you? Ah, it's good. It's a Wednesday. It is. We We're are halfway there. We are halfway there. And today, Louisiana held a press conference. At the facility, we heard from Michael Desermo. We heard from running back Terrence Williams. We also heard from safety Brandon Bishop. So we will have that for you tomorrow. Today, we're looking at an opponent preview of the Arkansas State Red Wolves, Kara Ritchie, from the Workday Red Zone on 95.3, the ticket in Jonesboro, Arkansas. She's going to join us to talk about Butch Jones and the Red Wolves at 5.30. Brendan Ertle for Who Dat Wednesday. I mean, how do you not? There's a lot to get into, including Jarvis Landry getting thrown out of joint practice for getting into a fight. Now, I'm, again, we, we've, we've talked about this before. I know that preseason fights aren't, you know, abnormal. Like, it happens. 
I feel like it's happening a hell of a lot more for the Saints than it has in years past. Which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Because it could be a good thing. You could look at it and go, well, you know, the guys are just really passionate, really fired up. Or it could be, wow, Dennis Allen doesn't have control of this team. James, I mean, what you what you got? Which one do you think it is? I was I was looking up because I did see that there were some quotes from Eric Stokes, who was the main guy who got in the fight with with Jarvis. Okay, and when they did their post game interviews, he said that Jarvis tried to quote unquote big boy him after the whistle, and he said he wasn't going to have any of that. Hence, why they got into the fight. Hmm. Okay. So it's almost like a judgment thing. It's like you almost feel like Jarvis may have done too much. That's why you responded. You fought back. Yeah. Not to mention high intensity competitiveness. If anything, if any little thing, you're trying to prove like, hey, I deserve to be a starting receiver. I just I deserve to be the starting quarterback for this team. If one little thing happens on yeah. for the opposite team, you're gonna you're gonna want to prove yourself. And not back down. Yeah, and you know, I, I I said that it could be Dennis Allen doesn't have control of this team. I don't think that that's the case. It's definitely not because when you hear everyone else post game in these post game interviews, or not even post game, post practice interviews, they're all talking about, "Hey, look, this is what I think. Like, like if I was a defensive coordinator, if I was the head coach, this is what I would be doing. But this is not my job, and this is not my place. I'm leaving this up to the coaches." which shows that they have a level of respect and that they aren't trying to do too much. They're listening to what they're being told and they trust the process of what Coach Dennis Allen and Richard and Carmichael and all the other coaches have made a plan for. So it's it's not that he, they don't have a control of the team. It's more of just a, this is a, in the moment, my emotions are high because I'm trying to prove myself on the field and not look like a bum, and then potentially get cut or have less of a role on the team than I feel like I deserve to. Yeah, and and I agree with that. And again, I I don't necessarily think that fights are, quote-unquote, a bad thing. I don't think think they're a bad thing either. The only thing that that would bother me is if it's happening every day. Right. Like, this is the second day in a row that the Patriots and the Panthers have had a fight. Which this one... This one wasn't Mac Jones related. McCaffrey Ye- was involved. Yesterday it was Mac Jones who started the fight because he got into Brian Burns' face mm-hmm. saying, you like that boy, you like that. And then today, like you said, Christian McCaffrey was the main guy. So it's if this happens a third day, that's pretty bad, especially for you only being able to practice three, maybe four times with the other team. It's like every day you've had a practice? And you've had a fight. Yep. That that one would get to me a little bit, but having a fight every once in a while, that's just a little healthy dose. No, for it's sure, nothing, it's nothing to worry about. For sure. And we'll talk a lot more Saints with Brendan Ertle in our number two, our poll question of the day: Where do you see the Saints finishing in the NFC South? First, second, third, or fourth? James, what you got? So far, looking at the poll results. It's very much leading in first with 63.2%. At second, people have it at 31.6. There's only 5.3% that think that the Saints will finish last, and no one's voted for dead last. 
So, it's looking good. A majority of the people believe that the Saints have a very good shot at being I think the winner of the division. I think you got a good shot at being the winner of the division. Because, I mean, Carolina sucks. Atlanta sucks. But Carolina did get an upgrade. They got an upgrade. They definitely got an upgrade a quarterback. And when you have an upgrade at the signal caller, you definitely you, increase your chances of being more, not a contender, but being competitive. You do. And, and they did get a, a big upgrade because I'm, I might be in the minority. I'm still high on Baker Mayfield. I still think Baker Mayfield can have a great career in the NFL. And it's not... It's not just because of that, but also, if you notice a lot of players, sometimes it just doesn't work out with the first oh, yeah. team. And once they go to a second team, that's when they explode, and they almost have like a fountain of youth experience. Right. Like, Absolutely. They rejuvenate their career, and it's like, where was this? Well, maybe it was just because he was with Cleveland. And it, mm-hmm. as good as they looked in 2020, it, it yep. looked awful last year. Right. So... It was just one little taste of success. But every other year, it was just a bad situation. However, with Carolina, I think their ceiling for year one under Baker, 500. I can I see more of a 7 and 10. Yeah. I think it's a little much to say 8 and 9, 9 and 8. But you never know because Baker's taken a Browns team to – the AFC divisional round. It wasn't the AFC championship, but he almost got him there. It was just, it came down to a Chiefs fourth down conversion. Right. I don't, I don't want to say that the Saints are going to win the division. I think they have a very good chance. I think they've got a great chance. Because it comes down to a bunch of things. Do we both believe that the Saints will more likely not sweep the Bucks? I think they have a very good chance. They've obviously proven it the last two years, whether it's Drew Brees, Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston slash Trevor Pennant, or not Trevor Penning. What was what was the QB? Trevor Simeon. There you go. I knew it was a Trevor. Wrong one. No matter what the QB is, you're not really worried about it. Plus, Malcolm Jenkins talked on the Rich Eisen show a few weeks back and talked about why the Saints were so good at being Tom Brady and the Bucks? It was because of all the matchups. Marshawn locks down Mike Evans. Whatever corner is on the opposite side, they tend to put Chris Godwin in the slot. And Chris Godwin's looked good and made quite a few catches against CJ. But CJ's done a damn good job at locking down as well, especially that last game on, what was it, Halloween? Mm-hmm. Or no, 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 it was close to Christmas. It was close the to Christmas. The second game was The close second to, game where yeah. he, he went off. Like, nobody did well. Chris got injured. He he tore his Achilles, I believe. Mm-hmm. It was Achilles or the ACL. It's one of the long-term injuries. They just did a hell of a job. The only things that I really have a question about is the slight changes with the offensive line. How will Jameis look? It, it almost feels like it'll be more of a Joe Burrow situation, I would say. Because you initially are going to be very conservative. You don't want to do too much with Jameis. You don't want to put too much pressure on him, put too much pressure on the knee. It was the same thing with Joe. 
And then toward the end of the season, that's when you start ramping up. That's whenever you start opening up the playbook a little more, and that's where you could see more explosive plays, maybe some more post-route touchdowns to Chris Olave or Deontay Hardy doing something crazy on a go route or on a double move. You may see you may see more of that. I, I feel like that'll be more of a situation. Like you may see Jameis Winston be more of a 2021 Joe Burrow, where you're curious to see how it looks at first, but once we hit week seven, eight, nine, the back half, and after the bye week, which is week 14, you'll just see a different Jameis, I feel like. We'll initially be like, what's wrong with Jameis? He's not lighting the world on fire. The offense kind of looks like it doesn't know what it's doing because you still have three new receivers. Adam Trotman's coming back from injury, and Jameis is also coming off his ACL. Not to mention... you. We'll see how Trevor Penning and James Hurst, who will be the starting left tackle, and if either one of them goes into competition with Cesar Ruiz, or if Cesar Ruiz will even just be the right guard. That'll be a lot of questions to look at, but I feel like it's a very good chance because we know all the talent. It won't take Tyron Matthew too long to get used to this and be a great side piece with Demario Davis and Marshawn Lattimore even though we haven't even gotten to this looking at the top 100 players even though he's probably a top five corner he was ranked 89 which is absolutely ridiculous it's it's a lot of talent there will be some gelling it'll look a little bumpy to start off but I think the Saints have a really good chance especially in the back half not to mention you have the bye week to be refreshed be rejuvenated and be able to take it the last few weeks to hopefully win the division. Ruiz is going to play right guard. He is. You're going to have Ramshack, Ruiz, McCoy, Pete, and then the 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 one question on the O line is: Is it Hurst or is it Penning? Probably going to be Hurst to start, just because he's got experience. He's been with the organization. He knows the playbook a little bit better. You don't want the rookie going out there and crapping himself. There's there's a couple reasons why Hurst probably gets that nod. Tight end's a big question for me. The jury's still out on Adam Troutman. Taysom Hills look good at that spot. You know, you have a young guy like Nick Vanette who can... And you're still waiting on Taysom to come fully back. Right. But I also have heard some, some things from camp about Nick Vanette where it's like he's not showing too much. So I would expect Adam Trotman, Taysom Hill, Jawan Johnson, because we've loved his development from going and switching from receiver to tight end. It's it's looked really good. He's made a lot of plays whenever he actually gets on the field. It just almost wonders, are you just going to count Taysom as a tight end or are you going to have technically four tight ends but have Taysom be the joker role? And if that's the case, if Jawan becomes the number two and Nick hasn't shown up, who's going to be that other one? We've heard about Lucas Kroll. We know about J.P. Holtz. But none of them have really stood out. You did recently sign Chris Herndon. You recently signed him, but I haven't really heard much about him yet. I'm curious to see what happens in this next game. I do know a couple players didn't play because they were injured and you didn't want to put too much strain on them. But what's going to happen Friday will probably tell a lot. Yep. 
I agree. Saints play the Packers Friday at Lambeau Field. Speaking of football season, it's here. The game, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to crown you the tailgating king with the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin's Outdoors, and the game. Score $500 to chop specialty meats, a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to LSU and Cajun football games, and much more. Enter in the Game Rewards Club, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin's Outdoors, and the game. Take a time out when we return. We've got some audio from the New Orleans Saints to get to. And also, your phone calls on the hotline, 706-0111. Crunch out with me, guys, and Mesh back after this on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. All right. There's been some talk about Miles Brennan that I feel like James and I need to address. So Miles Brennan announced on Monday, well, the university and Brennan and reporters announced that uh, he would be stepping away from the game of football. And yes, it is in part to the fact that Brian Kelly sat him down and said, you're not going to be the starter. And now people are calling Miles Brennan a quitter and saying that he let the whole team down and this and that. I think that is wholeheartedly false. I completely agree. Because here's the thing. Is the timing of it great? No. no. Timing's, it's, timing's it's right before the season starts. The timing's awful. But here's the thing. Miles Brennan has been in this program for six years now. You want to know something crazy, James? I heard somebody somebody say this. Miles Brennan committed to Les Miles and Cam Cameron. That was a long time ago. That's how long Miles Brennan has been in the LSU program. His high school commitment was from Les Miles and Cam Cameron. They leave. Edo comes in. Sticks with the program. Sticks with the program. They look at Miles, say, Miles, take a red shirt. Joe Burrow's coming in. Okay. Fine. I'll do it. Sits for two years. Comes in for a little bit of game action here and there whenever there's a blowout and the right. game is the game right. is in hand. You don't have to worry about it. Sits for two years. 2020, Joe Burrow goes to the NFL. Miles says, okay, now it's my turn. Comes out, plays well. First quarterback in LSU history to throw for 300-plus in his first three starts. First quarterback in school history to do it. Plays three-fourths of a game, half to three-fourths of a game, with a torn ab. Out for the year. Gets his medical red shirt. Comes back. They have Max Johnson. They have Max Johnson and TJ Finley. To Miles, left out to dry. Again. Now, it's really going to be Miles' turn, right? 
Brian Kelly comes in. You know, Miles Walker's knows, waiting in the wing. Miles Here's your last knows opportunity. The system. Here comes Jane Daniels. I mean, Miles Brennan has been thrown every monkey wrench that they could possibly throw him. And he stayed loyal to the program. Now, another thing about Miles Brennan. Miles Brennan loves football. But football doesn't make Miles Brennan. That's pretty well documented. He's engaged. He loves to fish and hunt. He, you know, football's not his identity. You can't call him a quitter for realizing that it's time for him to move on to the next chapter of his life. There's a difference between quitting and moving on. Because I can promise you, every person listening on the radio right now has moved on from something in their life. Let's go to the hotline, 706-0111. T, what's up? Hey, you're doing well, man. I am. How are you? Good. Oh, man. Uh... Here's the thing. Y'all see bad timing. Oh, not y'all, but the pundits, bad timing. Brian Kelly gave him till now to win the starting job. So, you know. Yeah, it's true. He probably knew it. He probably knew it months ago, but at least he gave Miles that chance to win the starting job through this whole this whole fall camp, you know? Yeah, no, so, it, it, it's a great point. Just my opinion, bud. All right, man. Great show. Y'all be good. Appreciate you, T. So, yeah, I mean, when, when it comes down to it, there there's a big difference, and, and you can agree or disagree. That's fine. That's, what, that's what's great about our country. There's a big difference between quitting and moving on. Miles Brennan did not quit. He realized that he's 25 years old. He's a 60-year senior. He's got a fiance. He's got other passions. He's not going. He can either hold a clipboard or go get on with his life. Right? He 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 could be the backup and sit under either Jaden Daniels or or Garrett Nussmeyer, or he can go do other things that he wants to do out of life. You can't blame the guy for that. And anybody that does, I mean, again, everyone has moved on from something in their life. Doesn't make you a quitter. Now, you want to quit? That's one thing. If Miles Brennan would have been a sophomore that had never gone through injuries and was supposed to be the starter this year and somebody beat him out, and he goes, well, no, bleep this, I'm leaving. Okay, then you're a quitter. Miles Brennan is moving on. Let's go back to the hotline. Paul's calling in. Paul, what's up? That was going on me, guys. Oh, how are you, hey. sir? Oh, I'm not. Uh, thank you for you talking back to it. Oh, God. Hey, so... You're right. It's not the same as quit. Like Sean Payton did. That's a quitter right there. 
Now, I have a question. Did you call that guy you said the, you called him Crush? Who are you talking about? Yeah, your you, you, um, cool partner. Yeah, I already started saying, yeah, come back with me, me and me guys, and crush up like that. What's his nickname, Crush? Mesh? Oh, Mesh. Oh, all right. Well, we're going to give him a Yankee name, The Crusher. We'll give him a Yankee name. The Crusher. But, but I Not even to, close. Uh, I'm on the, I want to get people to commercial call on the same thing. So do do you think the coach um, lost control of the team? No, not at all. Because I don't remember that happening in these on base watch, any fights that I can remember. You know, just just thinking of that. But I think, hey, look, I think that's a good thing for a team if it can be, cut, took, you know, as long as it's controllable and he can use it, make them use it on the field, I think that's a good thing. Brings a good fire to the team. You know, I, I like stuff like that. The contact sport, stuff like that going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. When you, when you speak of Lattimore locking Evans down, you remember Fred Thomas, and I can name some other ones like T.J. Williams. They always get burned. Always get burned, and we get upset about that same fan. Well, the only person that don't burn Lattimore is Evans. Everybody else burn him. So, I, I, I mean, I don't see why nobody speak about that. Lattimore get burned a lot. Oh, you know He 100% does. Huh? I said he 100% does. Oh. Well, I never see why no one speaks on him, why he's always getting burned, but uh, getting ridiculed for it. But we ridiculed all of Fred Thomas and so on that get burned, but it seems like Lattimore gets praised. You know, I think our defense is going to be elite. I really believe so. Better than what it was in the last past year. I just think it's suspect on the offense because of the offensive line. No tight end. We don't have that running back core like we should. You know, that's what I think. And, I think long as Jameis Winston can stay healthy and with those receivers I, and he can connect with them, I think they'd be all right. I just don't think he'll really connect with the guys. I don't think he'll connect with Michael Thomas. I think that's going to be chemistry really bad. But I hope I'm wrong because how he was used. I'm going off how he was used by um, Casper the Quitter. Maybe this guy right here can use him differently than a slang guy and he can connect with Winston. You know, hey so Paul. To, Paul, uh, while, while I got you, let me ask you a quick question. Uh oh. Why do you why why do you find Sean Payton to be a quitter? Oh, he didn't he didn't finish his contract number one. You know what I'm saying? That's 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 my problem. Finish your contract out, and then you leave. You leave. You should have took Ian Book with him too, and Tony Jones. Now. If he'd have put his contract out, man, I wouldn't have no problem with it. I mean, he just up and quit it out of nowhere, and he really didn't retire. You know what I mean? He did a Tom Brady retirement. Talking about he looking for another team. Him and Tom Brady trying to go to the Dolphins. You know what I mean? And it was reported in 2019, O'Barr um, was supposed to trade him to the Cowgirls, but he didn't because he already traded um, Davis to the Lakers. So he didn't want to get rid of Cruz for trading two great guys of Louisiana. Away like that. So the man want to be in Dallas and he don't want to be in New Orleans. I get the NFL don't like him and how they doing him, but that's not a reason to quit, man. That's not a reason to quit, man. Fulfill your contract out, man. I'm great for everything he has done, but, man, don't, don't, don't leave us at the altar like that. You know what I mean? Come on. He left us at the altar, man. And Cam Jordan said it. He said he just don't want to be, he just don't want to be here no more. 
You know what I mean? He don't want us no more. That's what that was. And Cam Jordan said the best way of being polite as possible. That's why I said he'll quit. He didn't fill his contract out. But fill it out, bro. And you can't you can't knock that. You can't say I'm wrong. Fair enough. Appreciate the call, Paul. All right. Later. Sean Payton's not a quitter. Not even close. Not even close. The dude retired. Whether he decides to come out of retirement and go coach somebody else, that's on his own terms. People can unretire. It happens every day. And there are a lot of people that leave the team and go to a different team while they're still on a contract. I watched that dude coach his last year in the NFL, and I watched his retirement press conference. That dude looked exhausted. He did not want to have to do it. He didn't want to have to. He had no choice. He was over it. And leaving at the altar? Leaving at the altar is at the beginning. This 15, guy, 15 years down the line is not leaving at the altar. Sean Payton spent 15 years turning the Saints from a loser... I mean, a annual, I'm not even going to say perennial, a annual loser to a Super Bowl champ and a contender yearly. He was a part of the rebuild. He brought the lone Super Bowl. I don't care if he left. He's done his due diligence. Sean Payton could do whatever the hell he wanted, and I would never trash the man. Ever. So let me let me throw let me throw something back at the people that think that Sean Payton's a quitter. If Drew Brees decided tomorrow, look, I got another year in me. I'm gonna go play for the 49ers. We're gonna instantly sit here and say that Drew Brees sucks and that he's a quitter and that we hate him and all this other stuff? No, probably not. What's different? They both stayed a hell of a lot longer than we expected and that most people stay, especially nowadays. Never going to knock either one of them. If Drew wanted to come back, in the, I would never say a bad thing about it. Would it hurt I'd, me? I'd would say it, good luck. Would it, would it hurt me to see him in a uniform other than the Saints? Absolutely. Would I trash him for it? No. That's, that's where I stand on that. Let's take a time out real quick. When we return Kara Ritchie, of the Workday Red Zone on 95.3. The ticket will join us to talk about the Red Wolves of Arkansas State here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. All right, let's talk some Arkansas State Red Wolves. Big rival for the Cajuns in the Sun Belt West. You know, throughout history, really over the last couple, you know, 10 years or so, this game's kind of decided who's going to win the Sun Belt West. Let's get into it. Kara Ritchie, the Workday Red Zone on 95-3, the ticket in Jonesboro, Arkansas, joins us. Kara, good afternoon. Thank you for taking the time. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Let's let's start with last season, you know, 2-10, and ten, you know, not great. Not a great year for the Red Wolves under Butch Jones. However, you got some great transfers. You've got a the top recruiting class in the Sun Belt. There's a lot of potential coming in. What's the feeling right now around this program? 
Well, I like how you're trying to be nice and say it was not great. You can be honest, it was bad. Last year was a bad year for Arkansas State football, particularly uh, statistically with the defense, um, which was just, um, it was one of the worst defenses in the country in terms of points allowed and yards allowed and all of those things that you need a defense to be better at. So, um, so the bar is uh, for, to surpass last year is a little low. Uh, but that being said, I do think there's a kind of a vibe of, of cautious optimism around this team due to particularly due to a really, really, really good 2022 signing class and then also a very good transfer class as well where there's going to be some really big additions at a lot of different places on the field. You pair all of that in together with a schedule that um, on paper could be a little bit easier than last year and and you've got a team that – um, is is I and maybe a return to a bowl game? You know, Butch Jones is a guy. He's going into his second year at Arkansas State, but he's coached Tennessee, Cincinnati, Central Michigan. He's had success at all three programs that he's been to. What can he provide the Red Wolves here in year two after you know getting used to the Sun Belt in year one? Well, I think one of the things that he did, and this actually started last year, was he just. Um, he brought a laser focus and, a, and an attention to detail to Arkansas State football that might have been missing over the past few years. Because, of course, after he left Tennessee, he was also Nick Saban's right-hand man at Alabama. So um, he has been at the absolute pinnacle of college football and seen what it takes to be able to come out and have success. And while obviously the resources – at Alabama and at Tennessee and Arkansas State are a little bit different, uh, you can still do a lot of the same things and implement a lot of the same processes and procedures and things like that, and, and that is what he has been doing. Last year, Arkansas State didn't really have um, the personnel to implement a lot of those. Uh, he also had some guys that didn't necessarily buy in uh, that were recruited from the previous coach, but now this is, this is pretty much Butch Jones' team, and this is kind of uh, Butch Jones' vision that we're going to see. James Blackman coming back this season as quarterback Lane Hatcher transfers out, ends up at Texas State. You know, what can James do now that he's got another year under Butch Jones' system, another year to learn this offense? What kind of player are, are you expecting out of James Blackman? I I have some really high expectations for Blackman for multiple, multiple reasons. Um, one he has the physical talent to be able to, to play the position at a high level. He did that at Florida State. But also, you know, he's a, he's, he's a thinner guy, um, tall but very thin, and he's put on about 12 to 15 pounds of muscle in the offseason. So there's a chance he's going to be more durable this season than last year. Additionally, one of the things, you go back and look at James Blackman's uh, career, of course, prior to A-State again at Florida State, and the dude had a million different offensive coordinators, and I'm rounding a little bit, but – uh, this year with with um, offensive coordinator Keith Heckendorf, that's going to be the first time in his collegiate career he's had the same co- uh, coordinator in, in back-to-back seasons. So just the comfort level now that he has with this offense. Additionally, every time in his career prior to this point, he's been in a quarterback battle. And there's not a quarterback battle this year. He is QB1, and that has been stated uh, since the end of last season, or excuse me, at least since, since Lane Hatcher departed via the portal. And, and everybody knows that this is his team and this is his offense. Because of that, I feel like we've seen a more comfortable, a more confident James Blackman. Uh, he has significantly stepped up in terms of a leader, the way he talks uh, about this team, the way he interacts with the other players on this team, 
Um, just every single way that you want to see a quarterback exhibit growth, I think we've seen that from JB in the offseason. Looking at the backfield, this might be one of the top running back rooms in the conference. Johnny Lang back with a couple years of experience. Marcel Murray, who got bit by the injury bug last year, he's healthy, he's back. And then you bring in Brian Sneed, an Ohio State and Austin P State transfer. I mean, this backfield is stacked from top to bottom. Yeah, I'm really fascinated to see how they divvy up those carries uh, once once they get into the season. I think Snead is is projected as as the guy who is going to be the front runner uh, there in terms of you know the guy who's going to be listed as the starter in, in your starting lineup. But Johnny Lang, that is somebody they raved about in the spring in the off season in terms of a player. You know, you look at all the players on the team and they felt like he had possibly taken the biggest step forward. Um, the issue with Marcel Murray over the past few years, you know, he had that awesome freshman season, came in and was the Sunbelt Conference freshman of the year. And then after that, it has been ankle tweak after ankle tweak. And I just, I don't know how much he's been healthy. He redshirted last year, did not play at all. And so now he's back. You also add in a transfer from Purdue in, Jaqu- in Jaquez Cross. And this dude just has unbelievable wheels. If he gets loose, there's nobody that's going to catch him. Uh, you add in some freshmen, some redshirt freshmen, and, and I don't really know. They've got to find a way to divvy that out, uh, to, to figure that out. And um, I would look for Snead first, but there's certainly a lot more options there this year than they've, they've had in a little bit. And then at wide receiver, you bring in Champ Fleming's a transfer from Oregon State to join up with Jeff Foreman and Tavalian's Hunt, who have been with the program already. You know, James Blackman, we, we talked about the backfield just now, but James Blackman's going to have plenty of receivers to be able to get the football to. Yeah, Chip Flemings um, is the first guy. There's there's a boatload of newcomers, by the way, somewhere in the neighborhood of 65 to 70 newcomers on this team. But I don't think there's anybody who gets your attention quicker than Champ Flemings. And there's two reasons for this. One, uh, to be honest with you, he's probably going to be one of, if not the smallest players in all of college football. And I mean that both from a height and from a weight perspective. He's listed at 5'5". I think that means 5'5 with cleats on. But uh, this guy can motor, man. He is uh, just absolutely insanely quick, and he's got quickness and speed is what I'm trying to say here about Flemings. And they're going to find a lot of different ways to, to try and get him the football. To Valen Tunt, Jeff Foreman, both of those guys had good years last year, but with Foreman especially had sometimes some, some focus drop issues. Um, if these guys just do a little bit better of completing those targets, then I think we're going to see a big step forward from the wide receiver room. And And one of the things that um, Butch is built on specifically is is team speed. So you've got a lot of guys in there, not just Flemings that have the wheels. It should be a very, very fast wide receiving core. Now, Kara, there's 41 career starts coming back on the O-line between two of the starters. Who do you think is going to fill in the gaps between the rest of the line? Yeah, there's not that many. Um, <laughs> there's, I don't think. Are you sure there's that many? I don't think there's that many. Uh, it's going to be a fascinating year to watch the offensive line because, to be honest with you, you know, you can go in and look at, like, uh, you can look at the fact that the offense was very one-dimensional last year, and you can look at the fact that that Blackman and Hatcher's numbers weren't fantastic, and a lot of that reason was because um, those guys spent a lot of time on their back. Uh, The offense was one-dimensional because the the ground game could never find any holes. So more than any other unit on that side of the ball, um, the offensive line has to take the biggest step forward. And there are question marks everywhere. The left tackle is probably going to be a redshirt freshman that appeared in four games last year uh, and and did not start any of those. Um, You've got a newcomer at left guard. At right guard, um, you've got a newcomer there as well. Although 
Uh, it's anticipated to be Jordan Rhodes, who transferred in from um, South Carolina and has spent time at Ole Miss as well. And at right tackle, you've got a guy who started there last season. However, three games into the season, suffered a knee injury. So really, the, the one consistent guy that you have there is Ethan Miner, who uh, started at center last year, got moved to guard when, when things got uh, a little sideways with injuries. So that that unit, I, it has the talent to be better. There is no doubt in my mind. But will it be able to come together and click and, and kind of be able to be on that same page that you need your offensive line to be on? Kara, Phil Steele said that there was 41 starts coming back between the offensive line. So if that is an incorrect number, we can blame Phil for that one. I mean, it it could be. It just feels like less. <laughs> it just really feels like less. Chatting with Kara Ritchie of the Workday Red Zone on 95.3 The Ticket in Jonesboro. Five starters back on defense, Kara, including Kavon Bennett as kind of that leader of the defense. Eight sacks last season. Talk about Kavon and who you see maybe stepping up and having a big year around him. The fascinating thing with Kavon Bennett is where he's going to play. Last season, he was a big-time difference maker at defensive end. Well, he was moved to linebacker in uh, in the offseason, and that's where he's been since. However, there's a significant lack of depth on the defensive line, and this week with one of the defensive ends uh, being day-to-day, he's been back at that spot for a little bit. Also, you know, there's going to be some sub-packages where Bennett is back at defensive end as well. Um, but, you know, it, he should be spending his most of his time at, at outside linebacker. And then uh, just elsewhere in that linebacker core, you know, at the Mike spot, you're going to have Jordan Carmouche, a guy who transferred in from Houston. They love him. They love safety transfer Eddie Smith, who came in from Illinois. Um, he was brought in not just to be a good piece of the secondary, but to be a team leader as well. And he has seemed to seamlessly uh, jump into that role. Those are going to be the the kind of keys that so many other things are, are built around. There's going to have to be some younger players that step up on the defense in multiple different spots to make sure that it takes a big step forward over what happened last year. Kara Ritchie of 95.3, the ticket in Jonesboro. Kara, appreciate you taking the time as always, and uh, we'll talk to you again during the season. Sounds great. Thanks for having me on. We'll see you. Take a time out, wrap up hour number one after this on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Bro Bridge Truck Stop Casino. We have the newest games around, hot seat drawings, and monthly specials like no one else. Located on the Bro Bridge Highway in the banks of the Vermilion River. Come on out today and try your luck at the Bro Bridge Truck Stop Casino. Support our local community and shop certified South Louisiana. Let's get to it. Update the poll question. Where do you see the Saints finishing in the NFC South? So far, 54% of you say first. 38% of you say second. 8% of you say third. John Paul comments, they are underrated by everyone. Hill will shine at tight end, and the defense will win the turnover battle in every game. The running backs will roll behind a newly revamped O-line, and the quarterbacks will just need to manage the game, not make mistakes, and find the right matchup. Dude, if they win the turnover okay. battle every game, that's, that's going to be nuts. That's not going to happen. <laughs> That'd be insane. That is not going to happen. Um, as much as we lo- love Jameis on this show, Jameis is going to throw 15-plus picks. No, calm down. Calm he's, down. he's going to. No, it's going to be 11 or 12. Mm. Okay, we'll see about that. He continued. J- J- hold on. Let's make a bet then. Let's make a bet Let's then. make a bet. Air handshake. 
There it is, yes. We'll figure out a punishment, though. Also, he said if you look at Hill's stats over the last two years as a tight end to a full season, lining up a tight end on all plays as the number one, he is a top three tight end. Okay, well, this isn't the business of extrapolating numbers. Would Could Taysom Hill be a top three tight end? No. No, I don't think so. Could he be a good tight end? Absolutely. Top three? Travis Kelsey, Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews. You're also forgetting George Kittle. Mm, he's he struggled the last year or so. He's been injured. Uh, struggled. Other than other than injuries, he's been I amazing. Mean, I mean, that's fair, but he's an insane blocker. I, I think injuries took him out of the top three. Right I now, mean, sure, but he's still a top five. Yeah, oh, for sure. That's for what sure. I'm saying. Travis Kelsey, Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews. I think that's your top three tight ends in the NFL. That's right now. crazy to think Kyle Pitts would already be a top three oh, after dude. one year. He only scored one touchdown. and wasn't even in the U.S. soil. Yeah, but he still had he had crazy yardage, and he was a great blocker. He definitely did. I'm just saying, and there's a reason why we call it pay dirt. I, that's a fair point. Hour number two. More of your phone calls on the hotline seven zero six zero one one one. We're also going to bring you some audio from the Saints, the Cajuns, and the Tigers, and Who Dat Wednesday with Brendan Ertle. From Canal Street Chronicles, we'll talk about all things happening in Green Bay before the Saints play the Packers on Friday night. You won't want to miss it. Hour number two of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right after your two-minute drill. Here on The Game, it's Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It is your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Two minutes. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. The two-minute drill has been powered by FanDuel Sportsbook, where you can make every moment more. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It is Southwest Louisiana's sports station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. All right, James, here in hour number two. We're going to talk a lot of Saints. And starting with it, let's talk about the bet. Okay. So we're deciding you're going to take the over, and I'm going to take the under on 14 and a half interceptions. Correct? Yeah. Okay. Now, let's look at the punishment. Oh, God. That means you already got something up your sleeve. I do have something up my sleeve. I think... The loser has to buy the winner a Jameis Winston jersey. <laughs> God. <laughs> you think I made a money or something? Can it be a it doesn't have to be a stitched one, does it? No, not the stitched one. It can be like the regular like hundred dollar one. Because hmm. that one's not stitched. That one's more that's more of a secured iron on. Or actually, actually. Are you looking at a jersey? Actually, no, no, no. I was going to say that's that's a cop-out. I know a guy. You know a guy. I know a guy. I have a lot of guys. I'm a, I'm a popular guy. Mm-hmm. Mr. Big Time. 
Absolutely. I know a guy that we could get a stitched jersey for under 60 bucks. So we'll do that. I mean, if you can I'm, do that. I'm in. I'm in. That's right. fair. Air handshake? That's fair. All right. Winner winner gets a James Winston there jersey. There it is. It is confirmed. I just. We it, just went to Vegas. We you, just made the bet. You look at his career, 15, 18, 11, 14, 30. One year he's gone under 14. And that year, he didn't even play all 16 games. Look at last year, though. In the he six played of, seven games. Don't but look at the but look at the projections. Oh, don't it don't, was, don't do that. It was don't 10. do that. It was ten. Do not do that. And that was with a doo doo receiving core. We are not doing that. We just did it. We are not extrapolating numbers here. I just did. No, not happening. Too late. That is not how this is going to work. I don't care if you are Jesus Christ reincarnated. Interceptions are going to happen. I agree. You're going to throw them. Just not as many as you think. Mm. Okay. 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 Um, You know, that, that guy that we were talking about a little bit earlier, that, you know, we were talking about Sean Payton being a quitter, and then I had passed the comment, well, you know, if, if so-and-so would unretire and go play somewhere else, you know, m- you remember that guy? Mm-hmm. Okay. Look at, let's look at his years in New Orleans in terms of interceptions. 11, 18, 17, 11, 22, 14, 19, 12, 17, 11, 15. Drew Brees threw a lot of picks too. He did. A lot of them. He did. I agree. Jameis Winston will throw 15 picks. He will. Now, let, let's, let's I'm gonna, clarify. I'm going to laugh if it's going to be 14. Let's clarify something very seriously about this bet. Okay. Are we looking at just the 17 regular season games? Or is playoffs counted in this? No, just the regular season. Just the regular season. Okay. I, I needed to, to clarify that. So, just the 17 regular season games. Correct. The Mundo. Muchacho. Joe Burrow threw 14 interceptions, and he had one of the top receiving cores in the league last year. James has thrown 15. It's happening. James threw three last year. In seven games. Against some crappy teams. With Marquez, Callaway is the one. Against some crappy teams. Traquan Smith, even though he was not very much of a factor, he won there until the second to last game. Against some crappy teams. I don't consider... Tampa Bay a crappy team. Against the Saints, they are. Oh, of course, but overall. But even then, they still put up a lot of a fight. It's it's not a blowout by any stretch of the imagination. It makes you sweat. It makes you sweat for sure. So, Aaron Rodgers had a meeting with his wide receivers today after practice. You think he's mad about what the Saints secondary did to him? I wonder if he played the Denzel Washington clip. Oh, man. If you drop a pass, you run a mile. 
Oh. You fumble the ball, you run a mile. You miss a blocking assignment, you run a mile. If you exist, you run a mile. You fumble my football? You run the you run the wrong route? I will break my foot off in your John Brown hind part, and then you will run a mile. Perfection. Great movie. I need five Devontae Adams on this team. Great movie. We're gonna have to, we're gonna have to make a bracket, James. Of sports movies. Of sports movies. We're gonna we're, do it. We're gonna, we're gonna have to. Do I it. say we wait for that until we get to March Madness. Oh, that takes too long. That's too far away. Nope, too far away. But the timing's weird, though. If we're gonna be doing a March Madness bracket, and, and you want to know something, why not start it? But what about in March? You want to know something? The Before timing, the actual the timing, bracket. The timing is weird. You're absolutely right. However, we're weird individuals. We are. So. But I also like for things to make sense. And to okay, me, that doesn't totally this? make sense. Let's do a bracket of football movies. That way it takes we place can work during with football that. season. Okay. I like that. We'll do a bracket of football movies. We'll find 16 football movies. And we'll do a 1 through 16. And since you don't watch a whole lot of movies, I can rank them out. And then, are we making these like poll questions, or is it just us? So, because I want to get. I wanna oh no! It, it, the listeners are going to be able to vote on it. I want. You, I want you to. I want you to have your voice, Beard. The the listeners are going to be able to vote on it. That's good. Our, our our guy Chico comments. and He says, "Sports movie bracket right now." To <laughs> make one on the fly, right now. And then my guy Jacob Lemonier comes in. My vote is for Friday Night Lights. That's a great one. Here's my problem with Friday Night Lights. And I, I know you had to break away from the norm. Okay? Sports movies can't end in a loss. <laughs> they can't. It has to end with a triumphant victory and somebody crying and whatever. You can't. I mean, there was crying in Friday Night Lights, but it was for the wrong damn reason. You can't get all the way to the state championship game and then lose. Did you? <laughs> I'm looking at the comments on our poll question, which if you haven't voted on yet, go to the game Twitter or on or Facebook. Facebook. I saw JK's. Oh, no. Saints sneaking up on the Saints, and he put a gif. Sneak level one hundred and raccoon looks absolutely flat. Did you just did so you just call it a jiff? Yes, you just called it a jiff. Oh, sorry, gorge. Wrong, George. Oh God, you. You see, you you see where it's, it's at. It's a now. gif. You see where it's at. It's a gif. It's a jiff. It's a gif, George. It's a gif. Wait, what are you trying to... Are, are you saying J-O-R-G-E is George? No. G-E-O-R-G-Y. But, right, it is G- George. Yeah, it is George. Jif. Gif. Jif. Gif. We're not doing this. We're, we're not. We shouldn't be, at least. Anyways, Houston Astros taking on the Chicago White Sox tonight, 7-10 first pitch. God, last night was disappointing. I think, I think us collectively... God, it was. We were so for certain. And then, I, knew, I knew it was going to be a tough matchup because you look at the other pitcher; he's just as good, if not better, than JV. And then Kevin Foot this morning. You'll hear it. You'll hear it as the next rejoin. <laughs> before, right before we come back, that 
I, I, that was I, great. I love Kevin. I I love Kevin, and it's funny because he gets so angry between nine and eleven. But I literally saw him at the Cajuns press conference ninety minutes after he got off the air. Dude was perfectly fine, giggling, laughing, having a good time, like being nor he like he wasn't angry at all. So like during those two hours, he just lets it all go. He builds up the frustration, goes to bed angry, and then takes that out on the microphone. I'm not even going to tell you what he said. You just have to wait and hear it in the in the uh, in the rejoin. But oh man, that one was pr- th- probably my favorite yet. Oh Kevin, that one was great because I was not expecting that. You heard the last few. You've you've heard the last few promos of of Kevin. And it was like, okay, these are these these are pretty mild. This one though, oh my goodness! Right. Let's go to some audio now. Let's look at the LSU Tigers. Jaden Daniels spoke with the media yesterday, and his main message is: no matter where you go or where you are, you always have to fight for yourself. I mean, it's always, you know, no matter where you go, it's always the better than yourself. You know, I, I know what I present to the table. It's, at the end of the day, you know, like I said, it doesn't matter who they start. You know, I, it's a great quarterback room. It's one of the top quarterback rooms in the, in the country. So, you know, we got talented guys all around. So I just want to help prepare them, help them prepare me, because at the end of the day, whoever they call to be the starter, that's going to be the starter. See, that's the right mindset to have, because, you know, at the end of the day, whether it's Garrett Nussmeyer or Jane Daniels, Brian Kelly is going to make the decision on what is best for LSU. Who is going to put them in the best position to win football games? Now, if you're playing college football, sure, you can be disappointed that you're not the guy. But when it comes down to it, the thing that matters the most is winning football games. And it takes a lot for you to admit that the guy that beat you out is the better guy for the job. And at the end of the day, you just got to be happy and contribute Absolutely. however you can for the team to win. I heard I heard Michael Desermo say today, he, he was talking about the Cajuns quarterback battle, and he went back to his own playing days because he played quarterback at UL. And before he was the starter, he was the backup. And he said, you know, that time that I was the backup, I spent every day being the best backup quarterback I could be. He said, and preparing for me to become the starter on a split second. He said, because you have to be. You have to be ready. You never know. I mean, say say it's Jaden Daniels that gets the starting job, and then, you know, week two against Southern, God forbid he, you know, sprains an ankle. He's out for two weeks. Garrett Nussmeyer's got to be ready to go. It can't just be a, oh, you know, let me ease into it. Give me a week or two. No, you got to be ready to play right then and there. 45 seconds later, when the game restarts, you you got to be ready to roll. It was the same thing of what Trevor Simeon was talking about last year with the Saints. You got to prepare like you're going to start, even though you know you're going to be the backup, because you could get on the field at any moment. Yeah. So you got to be ready at all times. Absolutely. Garrett Nussmeyer also spoke with the media on what he has worked on over the summer. 
learning in different situations, being in different environments. You know, I'm a coach's kid, uh, so my father's been in the SEC a lot, so I've been in the, the cr uh, as crazy as the environments can get. You know, I've been in Tiger Stadium on the opposite side, and I've been in the swamp. You know, I've been in all these places, so I wouldn't say that, you know, the moments were too big for me, but I learned a lot of just, you know, being on the field and, and zoning in on that situation and not worrying about everything else going on, so... Transitioning to the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, Michael Desermo spoke with the media and he spent a lot of time talking about his thoughts on Saturday's, this past Saturday's scrimmage. I like the response, particularly on, from the defense. You know, we started out really fast on offense. We hit a couple plays down the field, get them on their heels. Um, and even when you get the ball down to the goal line, they bow their neck a little bit and make you earn it. You know, they kind of, like I said, got kind of knocked, you know, kind of knocked backwards a little bit in the first part. And then once we started getting into the situational stuff, they really competed well. And then it started to get to be really uh, a lot of back and forth. We carried a whole lot of offense and defense. You know, we put a bunch of stuff in from, from spring, summer, into fall camp. Um, and there's a lot of things in there. So kind of by design, we carried more than normal and called a bunch of different things and let it eat and let them play. You know, with that being said, there was... You know, offensively, I thought we handled it really well. wasn't a whole lot of mental mistakes. Um, defensively, you know, we were in the right places. Some of the young guys were a step slow getting to the fits and things like that, which is to be expected. You know, when you get close to game plan, you start to narrow it down. So we were really pleased with the overall execution of the scrimmage and the way that they kind of handled everybody being off the field and just, you know, 11 on 11, let them. That's, you know, the the first scrimmage of the season – real fall camp it is important because it gives guys the opportunity to get their feet wet in, in some you know quote unquote real game action this saturday the second and final scrimmage is going to be you know here's your last chance to make a statement before we fill out the depth chart cuz des said today and we'll bring you the audio tomorrow Next week, he's announcing a starting quarterback. It's time. So Saturday, you know, for it, it, it's going to be this way for a lot of positions on Saturday, but especially the quarterback spot. Time to put your money where your mouth is and figure out who's going to be the guy. Because you're looking at two weeks from this Saturday is your first game. So it's time to to take the training wheels off and, and get rolling there from, from that aspect. Speaking of college football season and the NFL and everything else under the sun, if you're looking for a new sports bar to hang out at, guys, the Hangout Sports Pub in Youngsville is where you need to be. It's the newest place to hang out with friends. You can catch all the games from the NFL to college to Premier League soccer to the NBA to everything. It's a local neighborhood bar. Casey and his wife own a great establishment there in Youngsville. It's 1004 Fortune Road, Suite A. It's in the same shopping center as Gladiators Academy right there on Fortune Road. Daily drink specials, live entertainment. They've actually got entertainment tonight for ladies' night, drink specials, new food items on the menu. They've got burger sliders, pepper jack boudin balls, loaded fries, chicken you name it they have it great drink specials great bartenders great staff go see the hangout sports pub again 1004 fortune road in youngsville and when you do tell them that Miguez and mesh sent you 
Take a time out right here. When we return, we'll bring you audio from Dennis Allen up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And we'll talk a little bit about the NBA Pelican schedule comes out came out earlier today so we'll talk about that and a crazy extension for LeBron James here on the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros hey Verlander usually wins when he pitches what do you want a guy to do it's not his fault that his offense didn't back him up I mean what what, what do you what do you want Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. 24 minutes after the hour, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. That's where Miguez and Mesh come from, in case you didn't figure it out. Anyways, Dennis Allen spoke with the media yesterday from Green Bay, and he talked about how it's a massive benefit to be practicing with the Packers. This is a team that's won 13 games the last three years in terms of uh, really regular season, so they They've been one of the better teams in our league, and they're they're good on offense. They're good on defense. They're good in the kicking game. So, arguably, one of the best quarterbacks to play the game. So, it's it's just a good challenge. You see some different looks, and so our guys, particularly the young guys, you know, get a chance to see some some different things, both offensively and defensively. So, I think that's I think that's the benefit we get out of it. Let's go to the game hotline seven zero six zero one one one. Jay's calling. Jay, what's up? Uh, how you doing? Um, I heard you last hour. I heard you uh, talking to Paul about him calling Sean Payton a quitter. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Uh, Sean Payton gave 16 years to the Saints organization, 15 years coaching. Of course, he lost that year. Um, that's not quitting. If you if you follow someone like Sean Payton, if if you believe all the talk that he's you know he's a Parcells disciple, you know Parcell was very adamant about being at a place too long. Uh, so. You know, I think 15 years was great to get 15 uh, or 16 years out of Sean Payton. I, I would consider that quitting. Now, my problem with the whole Miles Brennan situation is that I, I'm confused. Like when when people like Jamar Chase or some other players opted out during the pandemic season, I heard people call him a quitter. You know, and now it seems like we're moving the goalposts to justify what uh, Miles Brennan what he did. Right. Um, that's all I have to say. Like I said, I played devil advocate yesterday and called him a quitter just to see, just to get it uh, started. You know, deep down, I don't think the man a quitter. But why did he left? He left because he wasn't going to start. So, you know, players, players get injured, players get hurt. And he could have had an opportunity to get in the game once a starter or someone's not, you know, in, inconsistent at the quarterback position. He could have got his chance or he just, I don't know. I, I think it was. I think it was more of, I don't know that it was more of the fact that he didn't want to wait his turn. I think it was just he he doesn't love football as much as some other people do, and he just realized that he was ready to move on to the next thing in life. And what I'm and what I'm scared of, they're going to use him man, as an example of why you shouldn't give players nil, right? Didn't he get like a whole bunch of nil deals? And yep. I don't think he even still. So they're going to use him. He's the poster child for that, and that's. Um, that's all I have to add to it, and uh, thank y'all. Thank you. Jay, I know you're still listening, so I'm going to throw this out there. I wanted to tell you before you, you jumped off the phone line. I think this is the first time we've agreed on something. Me and Jay might be turning over a new leaf. Who knows? Dennis Allen also spent some time talking about the young Nichols product in wide receiver Dejon Dixon. 
Well, look, I, I, I thought he I thought he did a good job in the game the other night, particularly from a receiving standpoint. You know, I didn't think his special teams was particularly good, and so that's an area that he's got to improve on. But I, I felt like as a route runner, his ability to catch the ball, I thought I saw a lot of the same things I've been seeing. Dejan showed a lot, and I, and I agree with Dennis Allen. His, his special teams performance wasn't great. However, he was the leading receiver for the offense. He made good route. He ran good routes, made the catch, got yards after the catch. I mean, Dejan showed a lot for you know being an undrafted free agent, being a rookie, still trying to get acclimated to the jump from FCS football to the NFL. I mean, that's a massive jump. So uh, all things considered, I think Dejan did pretty well. Tyron Matthew also met with the media, and he talked about how this New Orleans Saints team is a good team, but Demario Davis is the leader. I think we're going to be pretty good, especially defensively. I, you know, I think we got the right leader, you know, Demario Davis. Uh, you know, he's kind of he's constantly pushing us, you know, each and every day. I think we got great coaches too. You know, between Ryan and Chris, you know, really two of the best minds I've been around on the defensive side. You know, really outside of Todd Bowles. You know, really just trying to gel together. Um, and, and most of this is just committing to, to each other. You know, I think all of us are, are really good athletes, and we all are pretty smart for the most part. It's just taking that next step and committing to your teammates, um, and that's what usually brings out the best, you know, in the group. The game one zero three seven Lafayette one zero four one Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. I'm not going to say the red hot Houston Astros. The Houston Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles Saturday, August twenty seventh, and you can be there. Register in the clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations for that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, La Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game in Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. James Mesh, what time is it? It's five twenty-nine. What does that's that mean? to be five thirty? Five thirty on a Wednesday. What does that mean? It means we're about to get Brendan Ertle on right after this commercial break. We're gonna take a quick timeout. You're listening to the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. He's going to go. Touchdown, Saints. Who's ready for some New Orleans Saints talk? We are. Here is Good at Wednesdays with Canal Street Chronicles' Brendan Ertle on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Brendan, what's going on, bud? What's going on, boys? Uh, so first of all, let me, let me apologize for for all the yelling and screaming I was doing during the commercial break. I know you can hear me. Well, it it did say uh, it was the most lit radio station, so I mean, I fully expect it. You know, hey, there, you see, and that's why that's why we keep Brendan Ertle around. All right, <laughs> question number one: What's been your thought on the Saints' defense against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers so far this week? I mean, Aaron Rodgers had to have a meeting with his receivers after what the Saints secondary did to them. Yeah, uh, I think saying a meeting is super-duper nice because that's not a meeting. You know what? That's something that we can't say on live TV. That was something where, you know, Aaron was upset. He's mad. He's yelling. Um, I'd call it more of a rant. And the Saints uh, cornerbacks in secondary gave Aaron fits. I mean, he was under 50% throughout the two practices. Uh, we probably won't see him play in the game at all, but you know, it sounded like when they did have some kind of separation that the receivers weren't able to bring it down. So I think this is going to be a trend. I don't think this is a 
just a thing where, you know, the, the Saints play well against the Packers. I mean, they, they do this to everyone. So it's just frustrating for someone like that who, you know, you want to be the most successful you can, but when you can't, it's, it's frustrating. It's a frustrating thing. So, I mean, I, I love it. Now, are you concerned Saturday night, and I know that this was a lot of backup play, but the offense really seemed to struggle in that game against the Texans. Does that concern you at all going forward? Uh, a little bit. I, I, It was more so, you know, when you sub in all these different guys and they're playing different positions at different times, uh, you're not, you don't have the chemistry that you would. So not really concerned. I, I'm more concerned about, you know, the depth maybe at the tackle position, uh, other like other than Hurst and Penning, because you know they went down today, they should be okay. Um, Book was was rough. It was really really rough performance for him, and I think you know this weekend's going to be a, a huge game for him, not just for you know his spot on the team, but it's a trial for other teams as well. So, you know, I was thinking about today if if we're in the situation again where we lose our first two quarterbacks, who do you think is going to go out there, Ian Book or Casey Hill? And I think you, you roll out. A guy that gives you the best chance to win, I think that's Taysom. So does Ian Book have a place in this roster? I don't know. We'll have to see. But that was more concerning to me, um, more so than anything else. I, I still think we got to find a third running back. But, I mean, if Kamara's not going to get suspended and if Mark Inger can stay healthy, I don't think it's as big of an issue as it was, you know, two months ago. The Ian Book experience should probably end sooner rather than later, right? Yeah, it sucks because he was a good prospect. Just you know, he's got he's got everything to be a good quarterback in this league and good quarterback. I mean, a good backup quarterback. It's just it, it's just mental things. It's I was at the Miami game where his first start, and it was like, yeah, this isn't the best situation right now for him. Uh, running for his life, took a bunch of sacks. It's like that's going to happen. But that that first preseason game, it's like it looked like the Miami game again. It's it's taking too long to process throws. It's missing open receivers. It's overthrowing Jawan Johnson. Just little things like that. I still think he absolutely could become, you know, a backup someday, and he, he could be it now. But it just needs to put everything together. And he kind of rough practice today. Had Deontay Hardy. You know, the way people explained it to me was, you know, it, there was twenty to thirty yards of separation. Deontay was gone. And he overthrew it, overthrew him, and that just can't happen ever. And he overthrew Deontay Hardy. Like, that's a fast man, and he couldn't get it there. It's like, like I said, the arm strength is there, everything's there. It's just more of a mental game at this point. But yeah, it's, it's, he's running out of time for sure. I think we've got a good idea, Brendan, on who's going to ultimately make the final 53. But who, in your eyes, do you think? won't make the roster you know i was going through that today and i was thinking about you know it can there be a surprise cut here and there and is there a guy we're not talking about that we should be talking about and i i think you know staying on the offensive side of the ball the tight end room's interesting because i mean it's easy to pencil in troutman Taysom, and vanette but do you cut maybe a guy like vanette and save you know two to three million in cap space I, I, I'm just, I can't get it out of my mind that, you know, you have to cut Juwan Johnson, this absolute freak of a human. He's got all the intangibles to be a great 
tight end in this league. I mean, if you cut him, I don't think you're ever going to get him back. So is that something you explore? Has Juwan been good enough? Uh, Dennis said he took huge strides in the blocking game, which was a huge thing for, for him to get on the field last year. That was kind of why he was in Sean Payne's doghouse. And uh, Lucas Kroll's been really good as well. So that's a position that could be surprising. Um, but, yeah, I think I think the Saints got to keep three, maybe four running backs. You know, two of those guys probably will be gone. We'll have to see. And I'm interested to see, you know, how the rotation looks next game. Will Dwayne or someone else continue to play with those quote-unquote ones? So, yeah, there's there's a few spots where, I mean, it's kind of wide open. Uh, with Jaleel Johnson being placed on IR today, I think, you know, go back to an old friend as Malcolm Brown, who just got released by the Jaguars. I think that would be a, a good fit as well. So, I mean, we'll set the see over these next couple of days. Chat with Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles here on Who Dat Wednesday. Chris Lave has been a guy, Brendan, that's really been striving for this Saints offense. Give me give me your thoughts on Alave's performance, not only in the preseason game Saturday, but really throughout camp. I mean, it, it's been impressive, and we've said it since day one. He he doesn't play like a rookie. He he plays like a like a vet, like he knows what he's doing. And you know his nickname is Mister Smooth. If you go back and watch that preseason tape, he only had one catch, one or uh, one target, one catch. But you know there was three or four times where it's like, dang, you put the ball. If you put the ball on him, it's it's ten to fifteen, and there was a a route he had in the slot where it was like a little little hezzy, and then he ran a slant. And I've never seen a DB be so confused on a slant route. So, I mean, that's just the things he can do. And today, I heard he uh, had a couple of good plays and beat Jair Alexander as well. So, I mean, that's the one early on that Jameis is going to trust. And I mean, that's the thing about rookie wide receivers is can you trust them? And I mean, Aaron Rodgers is going through that right now. He can't trust his rookie wide receivers. So. Um, having someone that Jameis can trust early on, especially with the deep ball. And, you know, Dennis Allen talked about it a lot today. It's like Olave does things that Mike and Jarvis will never be able to do. So having him stand out this early and this often, it's it's been incredible and it's been everything we've ever dreamed of, honestly. Now looking at the other rookie in Trevor Penning, there's been some people on one side who were saying it was a terrible performance last Saturday. But then you also see on the other side, I remember watching a YouTube video even last night or two nights ago where they talked about how dominant he was in the run game and even PFF gave him a 90.9, which was the highest among all rookies from preseason week one. What were your mm-hmm. overall thoughts on how you thought Penning did? Um, Good question. I, I, I don't think it's time to overreact about anything because – when you think about Penny in that first game, that first preseason game, there's two plays, and they're back-to-back plays. It was the time he got beat to the outside, that forced incompletion, and then, you know, next play, don't remember who the edge rusher was, but uh, kind of faked outside, went inside with a little swim move, and beat, beat Penny bad and, you know, gave the quarterback a, a big shot to the back. So that was the two plays that stood out. And, you know, in Penning's mind, he got beat outside. He's like, let me – get out there as fast as I can. He kicks out there and then leaves inside wide open. He just needs to be more patient. But, you know, if you're one of those people that said Penning had an awful game, I challenge you to go back and watch a little bit because there was a few times where, you know, Penning is so big, so strong. In the past sets, once he gets his hands up in the chest plate, that's kind of the main thing is when an offensive line gets his hands on you, um, as a defensive end, you're trying to get him off any way you can. 
But there was a couple times Penning gets his hands where he needs them to be. The DN doesn't even move. He he gives up because Penning is so strong that, you know, once he gets his hands on you, it's over. And, you know, there was a few reps in the run game as well. He just gets his hands where he wants them, and then it's just dominant. But the thing has been, the problem has been, um, can he get his hands there? Can he get situated correctly? Um, that The strength and power will never be a problem for him. It's all going to be technique. So the, that's a good thing is the, the technique can be fixed. It can be worked on. And, you know, he's a rookie. I mean, he's never played it with anyone at this level, honestly, in, in his college uh, experience. So give him time. I, I It doesn't bother me at all if James Hurst has to start. Uh, as long as Trevor Penning's pushing him for that spot, I think I think he's been doing just fine. Brendan, give me your thoughts on this audio clip from Marshawn Lattimore saying that the Saints could be a dominant defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the sky's been past that because just oh, every, everybody we got, you know, in the back end, we got the linebackers, the front end, we got everything we need, you know, to be a dominant defense. We just got to go in, you know, in every week and just do what we got to do. So I feel like so we can take it wherever we want to take it. It's all on us. I mean, I love Sean, and earlier as well, Demario spoke as well. That's why they're so good is because they have confidence. And a lot, of, a lot of people don't understand how important it is, you know, when a corner has a phenomenal year. It's not just because of him. It's because, you know, the pass rush, because the linebackers, because the opposite side of him. Um, the safety, it's all, everyone all around. Marshawn knows that he's not being an all-pro every year or a pro bowl every year if Cam Jordan isn't dominant. Cam Jordan doesn't. Cam Jordan knows, you know, vice versa. Uh, DeMario said today, he was like, you know, the reason that we can be so good is Dennis taught us, like, once you're happy with your performance, that's when, that's when bad defenses start to become bad, is when you're happy with your content. Someone asked him, like, did you guys, did you like your performance today? And, you know, it felt like it was, like it was in that first game, uh, when we played him last year. It was just dominant on a defense side ball. And he's like, yeah, it was good, but, you know, we're not happy with it. And it's like, that's why they're so good. It's because, you know, they don't want them to gain a yard. Every bootleg, every, you know, every run, it, it's it's no yards. And they really can be that good because, like you said, I mean, Tyron's talked about it too. They have a star at every single level. Uh, Dennis talks about a leader in every single room. Um, I think that's just why they can be so good is because they're confident and they trust the people around them. And that's been something uh, for the past decade of being a Saints fan has been the problem on defense is, Everyone's trying to play their own game. It's not like there's not much trust. There's not much, you know, camaraderie. And now it feels like every guy trusts every other guy. And um, I think it all starts up front, that D-line. And that D-line has kind of been the reason that they've been, you know, top five defense these past three, four years. And, you know, it'll go as far as they take them. But it starts up front, and I think they all recognize that. Now, you were, you just mentioned Demario Davis. I kind of want to look somebody – that's in the same room as him and Chase Hansen. He had a hell of a game against the Texans on Saturday. What has been your thoughts on Hansen in that game and just throughout camp? Yeah, I, I think, you know, there was a reason he was a free agent. Uh, he came in, had a phenomenal game. There were still some things that need to be worked on to obviously make the roster. I don't think that performance at all clinched a spot for him to make the roster. There's still tons of linebackers. You know, I forget about Zach Bond sometimes, and he's been hurt. So uh, he'll probably see a significant amount of snaps next game. So going back and watching it, you know, they kind of gassed us in the run game. So 
and it was when he was in. I mean, you look at the interception, you look at the two tackle for losses. Those were great, great plays. But he needs to consistently keep doing that and um, being better on other downs and being consistent. I think the guy next to him, Eric Wilson, kind of cemented his spot a little bit, being that you know reliable linebacker three that does a lot of things well. You know, he didn't have any flashy plays, but he was the reason Chase Hansen got the interception. He played that ball really well. He played, um, I think it was like a little hook route by the running back, and he recognized it pretty quick and got a hand in there. Uh, I, but I think Chase, yeah, he could definitely be a guy who come in and. Um, make plays, but his spot on the team is going to be on special teams. So if Dennis feels like, you know, he's better than another guy in that position, absolutely. But there's still guys like Zach Vaughn and Andrew Dowell who are, you know, special teams aces. So he's got to be out those guys before really anything. But, you know, linebacker depth is still a question mark. And, you know, like I've said before, people question why we didn't bring back Juan, but, you know, it didn't work out. But as long as we can get Pete Warner back healthy – he can stay in the field. I'm not too worried about it. But, you know, groin is something that can linger. So, who knows? A couple more for you, Brendan. Friday night's game against the Packers in Green Bay. It's already been announced. Jameis will not play in that one. You know, probably see a lot more of Ian Book once again. What are you looking forward to or looking out for in this game? Yeah, I think uh, Ian will get a chance. But it's not going to be as big of a chance as last game because I think Costello will get a good amount of the end of the game as well. So he's not going to have, you know, three quarters to play. So I want to see Andy Dalton and roll out in that first unit and continue the rhythm and consistently they had in that first game because that first game, that felt like old Saints football. Screen games, running the ball well, precision passing. Everything was perfect when Ian was in. Or Andy, sorry, not Ian. Definitely not Ian. Um so I want to see that continue because, you know, if we have Andy Dalton in there and playing that well, he's one of the best backups in the league. And I just think about what we could have done last year with a guy like Andy Dalton at quarterback. So um, that's kind of my main takeaway. And I want to see who rolls out with the ones with the running backs because, you know, if Dwayne rolls out with them again, um, that's kind of a telling sign that he's, you know, leading the race right now. But, yeah, when – when Ian, when Ian comes in, he's going to have to connect with these guys. Um, Dejon Dixon's been playing really well. Uh, Dennis Allen kind of harped on him, harped on him a little bit about special teams play. Um, so a, another guy where he's not going to make an impact on offense can be on special teams. Um, but yeah, there's an open gunner position as well that he's been playing at. So I mean, there's going to be a few things. Um, trying to think what else. And later in the game, seeing Costello, it's like. Quarterback three is an open job right now I, I in, in my eyes. So can he, you know, cement something? And, you know, there's other veteran quarterbacks out there, like Brett Hundley just got cut. So that was going to be interesting to watch as well. Um, but, yeah, if Zach Bond can play, I think that's huge. You know, Wisconsin kid. Um, and we really need to see something from him. And, it, and if he can shine in a game like this, I think that be, would be great. Another guy I haven't talked about really at all, uh, on the defensive side, it's Peyton Turner and the reps that he got last game. Didn't really see a lot. You know, I would like to see a little bit more in a game like this where you're playing backups. So those are kind of the main guys in the main positions you can watch. But, you know, I, I would like to see a little bit more of Lavalle too. Not, not that he's not doing anything, but just I'm excited to watch him play and, you know, give him more than one pass this game. And one more quick one for you, Brennan. Where do mm-hmm. you see the Saints finishing in the NFC South this year? See, I was talking about that earlier, and it, it's 
it's tough. You know, you look at the division first. I think, you know, they can't drop a game against Carolina and Atlanta like they did last year. I think those are important games you need to win. They're winnable games, and there's no reason that, you know, you should drop one like that. And it's weird because what do you do with the Bucks? I mean, do you, do you say they split just to be modest, or do you be a super fan like me and say they sweep? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think they'll, they'll – lose both games against them for sure. I don't think the Bucks got a whole lot better this year. And, you know, Tom Brady's out taking another vacation during training camp. So um, I think if they can dominate their division, say let's go 5-1 and one or 4-2, or and two, I think, you know, 10-11 wins, maybe even 12 if everything goes right, is, is a fair, fair number. Uh, you know, Jameis is, is going to be Jameis, and hopefully he can, you know, like we've said, take that next step because this defense is – I've said it before, I'm going to say it again, it's a Super Bowl caliber defense. And, um, you know, if this offense can be top 15, you know, there's no reason that they shouldn't be a top, you know, five team in the NFC. Appreciate you as always, Brendan. Do it again next week, my man. Yes, sir, let's do it. Tune in next week for another edition of Who Dat Wednesdays here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. The NFL Week 1 odds are out, and now's the time to try FanDuel Sportsbook, if you haven't already. Get in on the action early this season. Right now, FanDuel Sportsbook customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. I've taken the over on the Saints win total at 9.5 for the black and gold to make the playoffs as well. Just sign up using promo code KLWB, place your first bet, and FanDuel will give you up to $1,000 back in free bets if you don't win. There's no better place to get ready for football season than on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using promo code KLWB to get started with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's promo code KLWB. You must be 21 or older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. Refund issue is non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions do apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. I gotta remember when you have your live reach. I gotta remember. Where do you see the Saints finishing in the NFC South? Fifty-seven percent of you say first. Thirty-eight, thirty-six percent of you say second. Seven percent of you say third, and nobody says dead last. So you know, not bad. Not a bad spot to be in. Appreciate Kara Ritchie for taking the time, as well as Brennan Ertle joining us for Houdat Wednesday. James Mesh, appreciate everything you do. As usual, Matt Miguez here reminding you to be safe, be well, hug your mom and them, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on a Thursday edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. The Houston Astros coming up a little bit later on here on The Game. It's Southwest Louisiana's sports station, and it is your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros.